Good morning, my family. Well, anyway. So, I am coming on here because I had an epiphany this morning. And I actually <laughs> never do this, but it was like, I have to do this right now or I'm going to forget. I was afraid that I would go back to sleep and forget what I wanted to talk about. And I feel like it's really important. It's like a huge step that helped me understand why I was having bad relationships, why I kept accepting people who were not good for me. Like I had patterns of picking the wrong people constantly. And then I was like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Well, just as of recently, I have determined that no matter how much I want my relationship to work with some people, they're not going to put the effort in to get better. So whenever a problem comes up, um, they're always going to resort back to painful talk and speech and arguments and belittling and manipulation and things like that. It's just going to happen. They're, they're not going to face their, they're not going to face their problem. I have faced my problem and I have gotten better and I'm not perfect. I'm still doing it. Still in therapy, still going through spiritual healing and all that. But now I'm not looking at the past as much as I was before. Now I'm looking at how I'm handling things in the future because I already know where all the pain comes from. Now I'm just learning how to maneuver differently than I did before because before I would not speak up. This is how I was and y'all know me, especially people who know me from school in my high school days and <laughs> And anything that ever happened in my life, I was very quiet. I would let people talk about me knowing they were talking about me. And I wouldn't say a word. I just stuffed it down. And that eventually caused me to have a mental breakdown because you can't take that much pain and not have an outlet. So... <clears throat> Now that I'm on the other side of it, and it still hurts because that pain of those things happening still is there, doesn't go away, but I understand it now and I understand how it got that bad, right? <laughs> I can't go back and change it. I can't do anything about that. Um, it was humility and shame that was brought to me, but at the same time, People that think, wow, you had this happen to you. You must be crazy. Blah, 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 blah. Like talking bad constantly about how I've had to go through that. That actually saved my life because now I'm having better relationships with my friends. I'm actually learning how to make boundaries. I'm learning how to speak up for myself. I'm learning how to get my point across. Yes, I may take a little bit of time to think about what's going on in the situation, but I'm coming back at you and I'm going to tell you how I feel about it because I know that I've only got one life and before I wasn't living my life. I was a doormat. I was being walked all over and treated miserably and other people were getting satisfaction out of that because they felt like they were getting some of their pain out because they could be ugly. 
So in a way it was kind of helping other people, but it was destroying me. So yeah. And so now I've walked through that pain. That's where mine came from. Okay. So now I'm on another side of this pain because now I'm not going to sit back and let you do it no more. <laughs> I'm not going to let you do it no more. Um, whatever the, whatever it takes, I'm not going to do it. But here's something else that I have learned. People who have the intention of hurting other people probably don't really mean to do it. <laughs> They're probably just as bad as I was because I have had a wonderful family, a wonderful childhood, a wonderful family that loves me and cares about me. And until I actually started digging into what it is and why and just trying to figure it out, because let me tell you, let's go to a spiritual aspect of this. In the Garden of Eden, the tree that they ate from was the tree of knowledge. And the Bible says we are destroyed because we have lack of knowledge. <laughs> are you hearing me today? So with this whole thing and I'm not 100% you know the person to be helping anybody with any kind of which my therapist said are you sure are you sure you're not a therapist I'm like yeah I'm sure I'm not and she might have just been saying that she tries to encourage me a lot she's really nice um but you know I come at the the situation a little bit different now that I'm on the other side and I see things differently um so I let things go a lot more instead of attaching my feelings to what they said or instead of, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I determined because a lot of it, because I was so used to being treated bad, I thought everybody was going to treat me bad and I was pushing the ones away that really did care about me because it was a natural normal thing that I had been treated so badly that it was going to happen and continue to happen. That was my mind frame. And you can't live like that. You can't be happy like that. God doesn't want that for you. God wants you to have an abundant life. Like all this stuff that I've been going through. It's just so awesome. I mean, God works out so much and nobody came and told me crystal here's your problem you need to do this you need to do that nobody ever did that but I believe that God does things for a reason and you know you may get offended because of me um, talking about this and I'm sorry if I do but I want to mention this because I don't want people to have to go through as much as me I'm going to tell you this, when I went to therapy, I was mad. I was like, well, this time, this last time that it happened, it was simply um, because I had been on medication for losing weight and it started affecting my mind and started affecting my sleep. I stayed up for nine days straight. My heart was pounding a hundred miles a minute and I could not rest. And so I was up 
constantly praying I thought well maybe this is a spirit of something attacking me you know because I got into that that whole I, I know the Lord can fix this which he did and that's you know and I'm not saying it wasn't a spirit of something it could have been a spirit of narcotics from the pain or from the medicine it wasn't pain medicine it was phenamine if you know what that is and uh they put me on phenamine and topamax or topamate or whatever so it really affected me um, at that time. So um, I got out of that situation, and but they put me in therapy because I was having emotional problems and I was anxious, and you know because when your heart's running a thousand miles a minute, there's no other way to be. You're like, am I dying right now? You know, have you ever been outside and running? You're like, oh my God, I can't breathe. Oh my gosh. Oh, you know, you're like worried about your heart because you're overexerting. So imagine that happens and you're not doing anything. So yeah, I was freaking out. And uh, so when I went to my doctor, it was at Thanksgiving. Everybody was gone um, on vacation. My regular doctor was gone on vacation. Then they sent me to another doctor. But the doctor who gave it to me was my diabetic doctor and endocrinologist to help me lose weight. And so all these doctors were gone. So I had to see the side doctor, you know, who didn't know my story, didn't know me from Adam. She just looked at this chart and said, you know, I think you need to go over to the brook and get checked out. I was like, oh my gosh. But I'm thankful that it happened. And I think God does things for a reason. When I had the mental breakdown 2017 from all the past and never facing my issues, right? Uh, I Literally, the way that it was explained to me was when you have a breakdown like that, your brain is injured like PTSD and it's misfiring constantly. Like I could not put thoughts together at that time. I just felt helpless. Um... I mean, it, I, I knew who people was, but like I could not put any thoughts together whatsoever. And so that when I told my therapist that she's like, that's definitely a mental break. And, you know, you had to get something in your system chemically to help to get those sensors to come down some because they were misfiring and like constantly going off because your brain was injured and so uh, I said that makes a lot of sense because <laughs> I didn't know what was happening I just knew I was very upset about it <laughs> and, uh, I thought I was absolutely going crazy I remember in the hospital I told him I wanted Thorazine to make it stop whatever you got to do just make it stop and yeah I mean, I'm being very vulnerable right now. And the only reason I'm coming at you guys with this information and this very intimate information, because I don't have to. I don't have to tell anybody anything. <laughs> I don't have to tell anybody nothing, which is how people usually do it. But this is my testimony. This is my testimony. And the Lord brought me through it. And I didn't die from overdosing because not only was I on the phenamine and the topramate, but I was fasting. I didn't talk to the doctor about that when he put it on, put me on it. 
And so I was like 25 milligrams at first and then I went to see him again and he was, and honey, I thought I was doing great because I was like pushing back a full plate of meal, a full plate of food. That wasn't something I could normally do because I was an emotional eater. So when I got to the point where my mind would let me push that plate away and I wasn't wanting it anymore, I was like, I'm doing really good. I'm so excited. But then when I went to the doctor and he's like, uh, you're not losing it fast enough. You need to go higher. So he put me on 50 milligrams, me fasting and the topermate. So that's what happened. And it built up in my system. Um, I didn't need anything to make me hyper. I'm already hyper. They don't even like me being on caffeine because I get agitated very easily with anxiety. I used to have anxiety attacks. Um, I don't do that anymore now, you know. So there's a lot, you know, that you have to consider with medicine. And that's what happened this past time. But I do appreciate it. I mean, I'm like, I think I need to send that doctor <laughs> thank you card. <laughs> because I have actually been able I went into a room and I'm just going to be candid. I've always had really strong women in my life. Not just my family, my sister, my mom, which they are very strong women. My grandma was a strong woman, you know, handling the house and the kids and all the things that they've always done. They're very strong women. But I also had a lot of problems with women in school because they were the ones who wanted to step on you so they could get a little bit higher. It's how it's always been. I mean, it's how it is in everything. It's always a I'm better than you thing. There's always a jealousy type of deal going on. And I'm not that girl. I don't care about that. I'm me. And if you like me, that's fine. If you don't like me, that's fine. But I'm not going to try to outdo you because I don't have to. My value is just as good as yours. You may have a little more money. You may have a nicer outfit. You may look prettier. But my value and God's eyes don't change. So I'm going to be me. And... So anyway, I had this inferior thing when I went into therapy. I was like, because we did it because of COVID, we had to do it online. And I'm still friends with some of the girls that was in there. So they can attest to my testimony. <laughs> um, I don't know if they'll ever listen to this because some of them are not Christians at all. That was intimidating too. Um, because whenever I was at work and I've worked there since 2008, um, all the way up until November of last year when this all happened, I would never mention anything about church. I mean, I had my Facebook page and I had friends on my from work on my Facebook page. So they knew. And whenever I would become friends with them, I remember one of my friends, um, she doesn't even live in town. She was a friend that lived far away whenever. Um, and Amber, the girl that lived with me, she worked with me. And we would all, me, my son, and Amber and this girl would go out to eat after work and everything was fine but I guess you know I must have put too much stuff on Facebook or something that must have offended her or something to that degree I didn't know she wasn't a believer she was an atheist but I never brought it up we never talked about it um and so I just always never wanted to offend someone and so one day she came up to me and this was quite a few weeks or months because I had went to first shift because Amber worked, started working there and 
she was, I had to get a first shift job instead of a second shift job. So we changed to first shift and I wasn't with my friend then anymore. So I didn't get to hang around with her that much and let her know me. So maybe she's got some kind of other prejudgmental type of crap. I don't know. But anyway, she came up to me at lunch one day and she's like, you're never going to make me believe that there's a God. I was like, okay, I don't think I ever brought it up, even though I know there is one. I said, I, I didn't say that to her, but I was like, I've never brought it up. I've never tried to push that on you. Well, you're never going to make me believe it. So then she walked off. That was her way of, you know, take it because I've got some pain from this. And, you know, so she was speaking out of her filter, whatever happened to her with her past, whether it was her family or her church or whatever hurt she had, she was giving it to me like it was no business, nobody's business. So those types of things was the reason until last year, I would not mention being a Christian. But when I went into this classroom, we're getting back to the therapy now. When I went into the classroom, first thing off when I seen all these women, I was like, I just started crying. And they were like, what are you crying about, my therapist today? She's like, what are you crying about, Crystal? There's nothing wrong. I'm like, you guys are freaking me out right now. There's a whole room of women. Like, all these women, like I said, Tammy, you know, eventually turned bad on me. I had best friends that cheated with my boyfriend on me. I mean, I've been hurt by a lot of women in my life. So, it was very, very difficult going into this room that I was supposed to have therapy and be vulnerable in front of these women who had already smashed me, spit on me, just horrible all the time. So, it was like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> so, Tanae said, thank you for being vulnerable with us, Crystal, but you're really welcome. And everybody's like, oh, you're so welcome here. We don't want you to feel that way. But, you know, I have seen people's other side. You know what I'm saying? They're like that at first, just like with Tammy or with my old friend, just like with her. Everybody's like that at the first, but then they get comfortable and then that filter starts working and they start talking through that filter instead of actually to you so they got to know me and eventually they tell me that I was offensive I was like I knew I was gonna was gonna, not gonna leave here unscathed so they all always have just always found some way women have always just found some way to be that way there's so much jealousy and you know I'm so thankful for my church you guys don't know my pastor, the, the female pastor, the husband and wife, the wife is my spiritual mother because she has so much insight about everything. And she has said that jealousy in women especially is horrible and it just hurts people and just pushes people and just it's not right. That's not of God. You don't treat each other that way. Women shouldn't do women that way. Men shouldn't do men that way. I don't. I had more better experiences hanging out with the guys than I did with the girls because the girls were so jealous and worried you were going to do better than them. Um, they'll ignore you, you know what I'm saying, make you feel like you ain't even there. <laughs> it's just awful. So, girls, I love you. I'm learning that this is how you are. And if you don't want to be my friend, that's fine. I'll walk away, but I'm not going to push myself on you. And I'm not going to make you be what I need you to be. 
Um, but if you come at me wrong now, you're going to, there's going to be a wall. There's going to be something there to stop me from having any kind of conversation with you anymore. I will still try to be nice to you, but it won't be like before. Like I can't be real with you if you're not going to be what you should be to another person. The jealousy and all those other, you know, manipulation, silent treatment, um, you know, gossip behind somebody's back all that stuff has to go out the window for me to be your friend if I find out that you are which some people are really good about hiding that too but God knows God sees it all so you're gonna have to answer for those things when you go to heaven I'm trying to have as good of a relationship with God and with people as I can because that's what we're here for getting back to it now so I had therapy with all these women they freaked me out and it wound up being good but this adventure that I had, um, when I first went in, that's why I cried because when I first went in, I was in a mixture of men and women and Natalie, she was the therapist there for me. And she, you know, she had some stuff happen with her kids. I think they wound up getting COVID or something crazy. She was still trying to do school with them and stuff. And she had little kids and she had to be out of work, out of the office for a few times for therapy she had to be out so we all got separated and sent in other rooms or whatever with other therapists well eventually they were like go ahead and take care of your stuff Natalie we'll get these people put in other rooms that's why I got put in the room with all these women <clears throat> so Natalie got me connected to my therapist and Jean is an older lady she's well in age she's like 80 90 years old I don't know she's told me that but she doesn't sound that old on the phone (laughs) um and she's just she uses scripture she uses old time scripture you know because when I got saved in 2003 I was kind of worried about using NIV I don't even know if they had it actually but Sheila and Rhonda both tried to you know explain it to me and I just know that with Sheila and Rhonda um and I hope they don't mind me saying their name on here but I actually learned how to pray and wait for the spirit of God and they helped me get this the speaking in tongues and they helped me understand how God moves and what his vision for his people is um by the word (laughs) I don't know I'm just trying to be very candid with you but um so I appreciate these two and they came to see me whenever I was in the hospital the first time for sure Um, I was pretty bad but um I've gotten much 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 better but I'm trying to do this now because I never want to see anybody go through what I had to go through and I know there are people that have these hurts and I've even tried to help these people with these hurts (laughs) thinking if I could just love them enough if I can just give them enough of the gifts that they want me to buy for them if I can just work enough to give them the presence that they think they need to be happy all these different things everybody's got love languages that's the reason they got love languages it's because they've been created and programmed to believe that's what that is true love comes from God and it's a feeling and it's a spirit it's not what you buy for me or I mean don't get me wrong I love it when somebody rubs my hair or uh, gives me a massage um, 
Also, I found out my very favoriteest one is service. So if I find somebody who's willing to work and help me in my work, I'm like, I love you so much. <laughs> Just because you're trying so hard to work. So, and that's kept me with people before because, you know, they gave me that love language. They worked and they tried really hard. And, you know, one person I remember that attracted to me and I married him because of it and wanted to be my worst nightmare. And then another one I married, uh, a boyfriend I got with and realized that his situation was so bad that he couldn't get a regular job because he had a felony, a past. And so seeing him work so hard just to make it at poverty level. I mean, it's just awful, guys, that people that have been in the pit and trying to do better for their life, I know why they go back to it because it's so difficult to get a heads up. That's why, as Christians, we're supposed to help people that have been in jail. But you got to be careful, you know, you got to make sure that they're really headed in the right direction. They're really wanting to completely get better. They can't be drinking an alcoholic and drugs and stuff and say, oh, I'm changing my life. Because if you're in that, you're going to go back. Eventually, you're going to spend all your money on it or you're going to waste it away on drugs, something to that effect. So in order for you to be able to go forward, you would have to set all of that stuff down. And that's what the church has to remember is when people are ready to set it down and they have, you know, maybe we need to start like a a drug testing type of thing program to where they come in and they, you know, get tested. And after so many weeks, then the church can help them with something, you know, I know that that people think that you should help everybody and yes nobody should go without food or clothing but I'm talking about helping them get a job or helping them get established and helping them get an apartment because people that come out of the pen don't really probably know how to do all that they don't and so they're they're just kind of floating around (laughs) they're like they're like a little lifesaver holding on to themselves out in the middle of the water and nobody's got a hold of them. Nobody's helping them. That ain't what we're supposed to do. The word says we are our brother's keeper. But I, again, if that person is out there and he's in a you know, a little tugboat or whatever and it's got a hose in it and he just keeps on buying drugs and buying alcohol and buying guns or whatever else, you know, gambling or whatever he's doing <clears throat> that's just putting hose in, in that boat you can't help them you can't save them they have to want us to save themselves they have to want to save themselves so <clears throat> i'm sure i'm going over a lot of stuff today and my main thing was is that since i've come through let me see how i can get this all worked together real quick we are our brother's keeper and that's why i'm here talking to you right now because I don't want you all to have to go through what I've gone through and I don't want anybody to have to feel humiliated manipulated like you're a piece of dirt on the floor maybe somebody said something to you and you it was enough in your life that you already had low self-esteem 
for some other reason it's just made it worse and now you're floating in, in down into a <clears throat> now you're like sinking down into a depression because what they told you and people just on your back constantly has pushed you down that's not God God doesn't do that and people who's doing that you need to straighten up because you're going to have to stand accountable for that don't be pushing people down look at yourself word says look at your own two by four in your eye and stop looking at the splinter in your neighbors it doesn't say it exactly like that but you know i'm an old hit girl and that kind of thing is how i relate so i got a two by four in my eye and you've got a splinter in yours who should i be paying attention to most my own issues and not worry about yours you can figure your little thing out easier than i can so <clears throat> so that, i guess that's why I came across that um, God always works everything out if we just listen to him and let him have his way in our lives and that's where I kind of worry um, they say that God has order and he does completely have order but the thing is God I feel like that man is putting themselves because I've been told many times you're not in order you need to go sit down you're not in order how do you know I'm not in order? This is God's place. This is God's home. This is God's world. And there may be something that you don't see that that person needs from me or needs to hear. You are not in every person. You are not in every person. The person that needs to hear this is the person that it's getting directed to. So, there's... There's a way, I remember, I'm going to mention this because this is important. When I was with the children's ministry and all these children that have grown up and now are ministering in our church, I remember going to a youth rally and then coming back to our church and the children, we began to worship and the children became slain in the spirit started rolling back and forth like holy rollers back in the day i didn't even know what it was i went over it was my little cousin and i had just was the first time i'd ever bought brought him with me uh, it was my husband's nephew that's what it was my husband's cousin or nephew he was younger and he started rolling and i was like okay i'm gonna go over here and put my hands on him and pray for him maybe he's having a fit <clears throat> later on i found out from Rhonda. That that is a form of the spirit, and he was he was overwhelmed by the spirit, and nobody controlled that. the The word, the reason why there was order when Paul, which Paul never met Jesus face to face, but the reason that Paul came in, he was organizing the church, and he was getting the church in an order where. People were just becoming flesh in the church because maybe they, <clears throat> they wasn't allowing the spirit because that was a brand new thing. And they wasn't allowing the spirit to actually really move in the spirit's way. Um, you know, and I found that in the interruption is when God works. It's not when man plans it. I plan to have this scripture. I plan to do this, you know, 
whatever, when that happens, you've gotten in the way of God. And so technically, technically, you are in the way of God. You're out of order. Because, you know, and people will say, I'll get to my message. I'll get to my message. Well, maybe that wasn't what God wanted you to do. Maybe that message was a way to get, maybe he was just like in my conversation with you guys today, he's brought a few things around and let me talk about things that will affect people, but yet brought it back into remembrance and connection about like, I don't know why I'm doing this for anybody because you can't teach anybody, but yet I was told to talk about my situation and, and also about how, you know, people was in prison and they're kind of out floating in the water, all that stuff happening, brought it right back to, we don't want to leave our brothers and, and sisters out there to fend for themselves and not know back to the knowledge. See, he works all that out. But people try to get in the way of it and say, you can't freely think. You can't freely be you. I just don't agree with it. God has made each and every person the way they are for a reason. And when he says that he needs the full body of Christ, he don't need your version of me. He doesn't need your version of what you think it should be. When God moves, he's going to put a thought in your mind. See, that's what kept me from having the Holy Ghost. That's what kept me from speaking in tongues because I put myself above the Lord. I did not listen when he was trying to speak through me. I, I didn't listen when he was trying to give me the power that my flesh needed to get through whatever I'm going to go through. because ultimately that's what it is the spirit of God is power that he's giving you from heaven above your flesh is not used to it it's not used to it and so it's power and so it's it's kind of like electricity so you do get excited and very overwhelmed and happy when that happens that's why people say they're drunk in the spirit I've ran so much and even just worshiping the Lord I had the wrong shoes on the other day I felt like I was falling over myself up drunk before I even had too much of the wine the new wine <clears throat> so <clears throat> it was good and so speaking in tongues I remember you know Sheila had grabbed me by my neck <laughs> Because I had shown, you know, the the proof of the Holy Ghost. I had shown the reaction of receiving it. About like the Holy Roller rolling over and all that. I had experienced that. But I had not experienced the speaking in tongues. And in my situation, I wasn't sure what was going on. Why wasn't I getting it? And then I was told that's a language between you and God. And I'm sorry, but I don't have very good conversations with people because I have always stumbled over my words. Have always stumbled over my words. And so I was always afraid to speak out. But... God took me over all by myself in the middle of youth service. One night, it was really dark in the room. The kids were 
down there praising the Lord. I don't know. I mean, we just had worship service. The kids just had worship service. And then, and there was no, not a whole lot of talking and stuff until it was time for prayer. And we just let the word of God come forward. That's what we need. People, all these bulletins and stuff, they're good. We need them because it helps everybody know what's going on. That's no doubt. But let's get all that stuff out of the way before we ever try to go before the Lord's throne and just worship him. But that, let me go back to when I got the, the speaking in tongues. Um, after I realized that it was a language, I sat down and I was just like, just, just started thinking, God, I want to be so intimate with you. I want you to hear me. I want you to know me. And I just started speaking, uttering words that I didn't understand, but I felt like I was having a conversation with him. Like, I'm right here, God, and I want to hear you, and I want to know what you want out of my life. And it was amazing. And I've had times like that before. now. I feel like he's in my life like that all the time now. Because I know what it is to have that voice. I know what it is to listen and know what it means now. So, you know, again, I think <laughs> I think we're all at fault for putting ourselves in front of God if we don't listen to the Spirit. But, you know, full gospel churches should let the Spirit go. Um, that's why people aren't moving to go pray for other people. That's why miracles probably are being hindered because God wants to move and man wants to keep him sitting or even just standing. Just as long as you don't bother anybody else or get out of line, just stay over there because you know, that's even if you've had somebody, even if you've had the Lord tell you in your spirit that you need to go over and pray for somebody else, I'm going to tell you something. (laughs) Woo, this is so hard to say. In yourself, you're not going to go pray for nobody. Stop it. Stop trying to say that you don't want it to be you. You don't want it to be you. If it's you, it's because God said to you, hey, you need to go over and pray for that person. You may not even know what it's about. This is how I know. That I have to obey the Lord when he talks to me. Not whenever somebody says you're out of line. When Jerry. I'm telling all these people's names. And I don't know if they care or not. Hopefully they don't care. Because we're supposed to be going out. And this is my way of doing it. When Jerry went out the door that day. God made me chase her down. We, I chased her. And she was worried about her daughter. And she had stuff going on. And God knew what she needed. She came back in. She had a mask on. And I sat right there in the back of the church. And prayed for her. But there were people in the church. Who thought I was disruptive. When this woman needed something from God. Nobody in that church could do it for her. But God brought her through that situation. And she needed a word from God. She could have left there worse off than she came but she didn't. And she's been coming now religiously, faithfully. She is a strong warrior in God. But if I had not had listened to God, there's no telling if that would not have changed her outcome. So again, God needs to use his people, but his people need to take their hands off of the spirit. 
Spirit can't move when you're pushing it. When you're trying to say that somebody's doing something out of line or they're too emotional or God is an emotional God. He made us who we are. And I agree there is places, but here's the thing. Like I've said before, the Lord will correct you. And we have to be, as Christians, we should be forgiving. If we're forgiving, and he talks about that in the word. If we're forgiving, then there should be no question. If somebody accidentally makes a mistake, you're to forgive them for making the mistake. So let's try not to be so barbarian and put a ridge or a stronghold or a fortress around a person because you don't think that they need to be praying or you don't think that they need to be dancing or you don't think that they need to be praising. Don't put your thoughts above God's. You're doing the number one sin. You're making an idol of your own thoughts. Right? So I'm, I'm coming with this because I do not ever, ever, ever want to put myself above God ever. And and me and the Lord's argued about quite a few things, my son and his Xbox. And (laughs) I was like, but God, that's how he sees his friends now. And that's how he communicates with his friends. And it's not like it was when I was a kid, but God, he needs that. And the Lord said, but yeah, but he needs me more than he needs that Xbox. You put the helm and the Xbox above God. That's not what God wants. Ten Commandments, it's New Testament now. But the Old Testament was how God wanted it. And that's who we're trying to get back to because God is the God of the universe. He ha- He holds everything in His hands. He's given all authority to His Son, Jesus. So between Him, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, as long as we try to do what they ask and what they're wanting us to do. He's not trying to control you. You have free will. You can do whatever you want. You're going to be judged by it. And he wants to bless you. But sometimes I've found this too. Sometimes you're doing something wrong because of yourself. And he can't bless you because you're doing something wrong. That's why I've stopped some of my relationships. That's why I'm going down a different path and making him the absolute first thing in my life. I don't need to look around and worry about what everybody else is talking about and who's the next beauty queen and whose husband's cheated on the next uh, wife or whatever. I don't need to look at any of that because now my focus is only on Christ. That's where we need to be. Focus on Christ. He's got to work for you in his life. You are so super duper special to him. And he wants to use you in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. Not as in I want to use you because of my benefit. It is his benefit. Absolutely. But you're a child. He is the father. It's just like a parent, a child and a father. And the father wants to keep the child safe and the child and the father wants to teach and show the child new ways and beautiful ways and never anything to harm them. See, we've got a distorted view. That's what my whole message was going to be about. Distorted views of how things work. They don't really work that way. We need to get our filters off of the canvas. And see things the way the Lord really wants us to see them. 
take down the facade, take down all this stuff about worrying about, you know, am I going to lose my spot in the choir? Am I going to lose my spot as the worship leader? Am I going to lose my spot as the preacher? Am I going to lose my spot as, you know, I see my pastors now and Rhonda's been the most humblest one of all. She's never really ever said, I want to be up there. She needs to be up there. She has a strong word. She has brought so many young people, myself included, to the Lord. <sighs> Y'all. <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You need to come visit 9600 Cane Run Road, <clears throat> Louisville, Kentucky, 40258. We're growing. We're getting bigger. The Lord is blessing because she has touched somebody's life that is now a superstar of the whole world. Like he, he is a musician and he has blessed the church back because of what they did for him. If we just get it right, people, and stop putting ourselves above God. Don't worry about if somebody's dancing better than you or if somebody's, if an older person wants to go down and join the younger people, let them do it. This is for every age. We are all children of God. If they're able to at 70 years old, I'm just saying you young people probably need to help them up there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They don't need no help. I know the person, but if, if they've been holding and reluctant in their heart to do anything because they're older, right? God doesn't want that. God doesn't want them to think that. That's not God. There's people in the Bible who did stuff at a much older age. And you are keeping God's blessing by holding people back. Stop! Oh my goodness. <sighs> I just hope somebody will listen to me. I know I probably am offensive. Everybody tells me I am. But I'm trying to give you my direct word from the Lord. Him and I talk a lot. We have conversations. He shows me things about what's happening in the world. And especially that he wants to happen. And at first I didn't really know what to do with it. But now I understand that I need to think it through. And and when he gets me to doing it, like I can't sleep. <laughs> like it wakes me up. And, and he... He's found ways to move things for me. He's done everything. I cannot take any of the glory for anything that's happening in my life. Y'all, I've come from the pit of hell. <laughs> God is establishing me. And no, I'm not exactly where you would think I would be. But I am not on this earthly place to please or make you think that I'm anything high. But I know I'm in a heavenly place with my father. And he has things that he wants done in the earth. And I'm privileged and thankful that I can be a part of that. I want the true, undeniable version of God's heaven and what he wants to bring down. And all that comes from a good place. It doesn't come from a bad place. If you're coming at somebody to correct them, it's probably not the right place to be coming at them from. You need to really pray about it and decide if that's going to be the right thing to do. People who don't pray about it and come at you in a loving way, they haven't been talking to the Father. They haven't been talking to the Father. And if you find yourself trying to correct someone first, you go to the Father. 
before you ever say a word to somebody, you go to the Father and ask Him to correct you. If there's any correction. Maybe you don't see it the right way. Put Him first. We sing about it all the time. Put yourself down a little bit. Step down off the platform and let Him have the way. Let Him have His way. He wants to work in all of us. And you may get a blessing if you listen. I know you'll get a blessing. Well, guys, it's been almost an hour now. And I feel like I've done something really good here. If nobody ever listens to this, I feel like I've done what the Lord's wanted me to do. And I've been vulnerable. I've also let you know I will put you in your place now. I'm not going to let you step on me no more. I got my full armor on. And I know where I stand with God. And if God is my father, nobody can stand against me. So, whatever the outcome, whether it means I die, (laughs) I'm just saying God's got me. That's how I feel. If it it means that, it's that. But I know God wouldn't let that happen because he wants what's best for me. Because I want what's best for him. I want what's best for his people. I want what's best for... Um, the spirit of God to move in our lives and make a difference and make a change in people who need a change. He can't work in you if you're holding on to your own ideas. Stop putting yourself above God. Let him have the platform. If somebody goes and prays for the pastor in the middle of service, don't say anything. If you're offended by it, go pray about it. Say, Lord, what in the world could possibly be the reason that that person would go up and pray for him right in the middle of service? There's probably a reason. If God puts it on your heart, do it. Do not hinder the Spirit of God. He is our comfort. He is our help. He is everything we need. And without him, this place is crazy. That's why the world is the way it is. The Spirit's not welcomed. We need to get into that. We need to let the, I mean, like I said, when you want to bring the bulletin, you want to bring, you know, the information about the church and you want to joke and do all that, that's all well and good. But let's get that out of the way before we ever go into the presence of God and say, I want to sacrifice myself. I want to put my heart here on the altar for you, Lord. I want you to mold me into what you need me to be for the people of God. That is kingdom minded. Lay my heart down on the altar. Let it be molded and made into what it needs to be so that I can help bring your children back to you. We're all fishers of men. And I don't want to ever be above you. I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to be an idol to myself or others. I want, and I've seen. Here's what I see. I mean, even in today, I see people being pushed down who shouldn't be pushed down because they have so much to give. God will correct anything that needs to be corrected. You just have to step back and give them time. If I'm not a testimony to this, guys, like my life and what's happened in my life is a testimony from my mental breakdown in 2017 and every, I got taken to Florida against my will in 1996. Like I've had a lot of painful things happen since I've been a grown adult. 
and even in school I mean school was horrible for me too like my life was horrible and so I had a mental breakdown in 2017 and everybody counted me out everybody counted me out people are you hearing me they counted me out but God is setting me back up where I need to be because I'm doing what he wants me to do and whether or not that makes you happy doesn't matter to me I'm sorry my focus is on God and what he needs and I see people being torn down by other people who want to put themselves above God and want their way And that hurts my heart because <clears throat> God doesn't want bad for us. He doesn't want bad for anybody, but he definitely don't want bad for his saints. Saints, get your claws, pull your claws back in. You might want to go file them off and try to chill out a little bit and leave some people alone because, and I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about two very loving people that I have seen be tormented and and push down because people having their own ideas about what they want and they're actually making it an idol they're actually making their themselves and their ideas higher than God's stop it you ain't got no right and it does take accountability so when I see that God's words and things aren't working I'm not going to come at you because again I'm not the one to to correct you this is my version of correction, but it's through the word of God. I'm not calling anybody's name out. If you feel like this touches you and that you might have something to do with this, maybe God can work it with it. Maybe God can work with it and try to change your mind and change your heart. And that's the only reason that I'm here. That's why my ministry doesn't look like everybody else's because my ministry isn't like everybody else's. God has something different for everybody. It doesn't have to be just like yours. So, <clears throat> now, remember, I said all of this in the best interest that I don't want you being out there in a tugboat, punching hose in the tugboat and draining it. And, and the, I'm not draining it, but filling that boat up with hose so that you sink. I can see people are punching hose in the bottom of the boat by their actions and they are going to sink because they don't want to fix or repair the problem. They want to add more to it because they want their way. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to do what God's asked me to do by bringing this word today and saying, hey, we need to change some things. We need to look at it differently. Our filter is messed up. Our, fil our filter <clears throat> that we see people through is distorted. They have the right intentions. They're doing it right. They want God's will to be done. They're moving in God's spirit. Stop trying to stop him. All right, guys. It only lets me have 60 minutes. <laughs> I'm getting really good at this. I'm so excited. Um, I would love to have anybody on my podcast. So, again... If you want to join, you definitely can. I will let you have as much time as you want. They'll only give you 60 minutes. Um, but we'll definitely allow people to come in and talk about whatever they want. Um, and we would love to hear testimonies. We would love to hear, you know, what what God's got on your heart. Maybe he wants you to read scripture. Maybe he wants you to sing. 
I would love for you guys to do that. So I gotta go. I love y'all. Um, we only got like four minutes left. <laughs> I'll see you guys around the merry-go-round. Please listen to that other thing. Love you. Bye. Hello, my family. So I'm coming to you tonight because I've been asked to testify to the youth at my church. And I don't know that I've ever really told this story in a complete um, sitting. So I don't think, even in this situation, I don't think that I'm gonna be able to do the entire thing in a full sit sitting. But I'm going to try to tell you the story. Um, this is a little graphic and you may want to watch for sensitive ears and children, things like that. So, um, I'm going to be as respectful as possible, but it was a very horrible time in my life. So back in 1996, I met a person that I started dating in the summer of 1996 um, we were at my cousin and a few friends of ours that all hung out was at a local pool and this guy was like super charismatic and you know everybody laughed at all of his jokes and you know he was just hanging out doing what everybody else did and you know of course I thought he was attractive um, <clears throat> throughout the relationship it got a little more intensive and um, you know, this is a situation where I did not go to church. I was unaware of any sins that, you know, when I left the church, I was about six years old. So things about sex and sex out of marriage and things like that was not really something that we discussed in our home as I was growing up. So that wasn't... Um, taboo especially not that I only believed in that but because we, I was around people at school who I had friends who were dating 40 year old men so there was not and in my life at that time there were in my high school days there was no real rules like there, there was no guideline and so you know I wound up staying with this guy. I worked third shift. So my parents just thought, well, she's just sleeping somewhere else because I was working at night and then during the day, they would be at work. So it wasn't like they really missed me a lot because I was at work and when I was at work, they was, wasn't at work, they was at work. So um, eventually after staying in hotels with this person, on the weekends, you know, we drink and I'm pretty much was, I would say I'm pretty much an alcoholic at that time. And so, um, I was just drink on the weekends, but I do remember times when he would leave and I would drink enough just to pass out because I was not happy. Didn't realize all this stuff. This was, you know, I was like four or five years out of high school. Um, when all this stuff happened. So I was fairly young. Um, so let's see. On my birthday, my parents helped me to get an apartment. And um, 
so we you know that was gonna be my birthday gift well the actual day of my birthday we went out or it was like I think it was on my birthday because when you go to the bar on your birthday you show them your ID you get free drinks so that was his thing he was gonna let me have like this big night for alcohol and drinking so somebody I don't know what happened but he wound up leaving me and I went to go look for him and went out to the car and somebody followed me out to the car and tried to put a move on me and so this person the boyfriend came up behind him and just started beating him to death <laughs> he didn't kill him but he hurt him pretty bad stomped his head and gave him a concussion and he had to go to the hospital and stay the night and stuff he didn't press charges um but they did wind up arresting my boyfriend at that time and i told the police you know can i go in and call because at that time he didn't have cell phones and um i said can i go in and you know use the phone to call a cab to come and get me because i've been drinking all night they're like you look fine to me i'm like i'm stressed out or anxiety whatever i don't know adrenaline going on here that's why I uh, appear to be that way. And then I told him, I said, let me have a breathalyzer. I will prove to you that I'm not sober. I do not need to drive. So anyway, I talked them into it. They realized that I was that drunk and they called a cab for me. So I went home. Well, he wound up being in jail for a while and then <clears throat> he got out. Everything was fine for a while. Um, it wasn't too long though. Cause I mean, this relationship only lasted probably six months. Um, and so the night that everything finally came to like this huge finale and started to go into a snowball effect was when I was at my apartment, my cousin Shauna and her husband were there and the boyfriend was there and we were all just sitting around playing cards and enjoying the evening. Of course, I do not and never did like doing drugs, so I didn't do any of that, but other people that were there was doing crack and doing pills and drinking. Well, um, something happened that I, I must have said something wrong because he turned to me and his face just looked evil. His eyes looked black. They didn't even have color from what I could see from a distance. And he screamed at me, you're always messing stuff up. You're always screwing things up and came at me like he was going to hurt me well while he was coming at me my cousin Shauna went at him so because they started getting into a fight and she pushed him up against the wall and all this stuff was going on it was kind of crazy I never seen nothing like this I ran out the door fight or flight I ran out the door and I called the police or I went over to the neighbor's house and in this neighborhood it was not a very good neighborhood come to find out um the people in the apartment you could not rely on them there was a lot of drug addicts in that area so I went over to the house and I knocked on the door and I asked the lady if she would call the, or if she would let me in so that I could get away from him and call the police. And she wouldn't let me in. I said, well, at least can you call the police? So my cousin and her husband was over there fighting with my boyfriend, I guess. I'm hearing glass breaking and just all kinds of crazy stuff. At that point, I'm hiding out in the bushes waiting for the police to come. 
Well, things start settling down. The police come. I finally go over there. While they're there, I feel like I'm safe. You know, that he wouldn't be able to, you know, I didn't really know what he could do. And who knows what would have happened if I would have continued to be over there. So, he was angry at me. I tried to get out of the way, uh, out of the situation. So, all right, I got through all that. Okay, so then finally he left and I went and stayed with my cousin. She took me down to the police station and we put an EP, I put an EPO against him. And so my apartment was destroyed from what had happened between them. So I stayed the night with my cousin at her apartment. And the next day he came to her house or her apartment with my car so the night he left he had taken the keys with him um so he came in you know said i just need to talk to crystal can we go back in the back room and talk about this situation and he seemed calm you know and she was right in the other room so i was like i should be fine nothing's gonna happen so we get in there and i had already talked to my parents and told them about what happened and So, the plan was, I was going to go home and move back to my parents and was going to leave this whole mess behind me and pay the bill, you know, for the damages and whatever had to happen. And so, he's like, yeah, I've got to leave. You know, I can't be here. He had a previous felony and had had other things that I wasn't aware of. And we'll get to that later. But this EPO was a real threat to him. So he told me, you know, I've got to leave. I can't stay here in town anymore. I'm leaving. I said, that's fine. I said, I'm moving back in with my parents. And so that was the plan. So I went back to the apartment. He went back to the apartment. My my friend went back to the apartment who I thought was my friend. Jessica went back to the apartment with us. And um, so she eventually had to leave too. Well, all of a sudden, there was a knock at the door. And it was the local police. And my boyfriend started whispering, getting real manic and real upset. He said, I'm going to go hide in the closet. You tell them that I'm not here. I've never experienced any kind of EPO situation where things like this got out of hand like this, right? Or with even somebody that's had a previous felony. So I was like, okay, well, we've got a plan. This is my thought in my mind. Well, we've got a plan now. So I know we're going to be all right. I'm going to go move back in with my parents. So it's going to be okay. I'll just tell them that he's not here and he'll leave. You know, and I'll be able to go back to my parents, such and such. Well, that did not happen. Once they left, he completely switched from night to day. Um, Let's see. Um, He was like, we got to leave. We got to leave right now. We got to go. And like grabbed the keys, started grabbing stuff and packing stuff up. At that point, that was that same action that he did the night before. No one was there to help me this time. So I basically shut down. I did not fight back. I did not argue with him. At that point, I did not want to be another victim of his. So I basically did exactly what he told me to do. So I shut down. Um, So from there, we drove to South Miami Beach, Florida. Left everything, even my purse. I only took the clothes that was in the closet. Not even the clothes that I had been wearing on a normal basis. Um, These were all my dress clothes. Um, In South Miami Beach, Florida. 
Uh, it's supposed to be a place that tourists go. And here I am in a dressed up outfit all every day. Like if I ever changed, it was in some kind of cool looking outfit with like gold buttons. You know, I was like thinking to myself, I remember thinking to myself, can't these people realize that I don't fit in? Don't they see like I'm, I'm like the, the, <laughs> there used to be a, a game or something on one of the, um, like Sesame Street or something, which one of these things don't fit in. And I felt like that I was one of them and just why couldn't everybody see that I just didn't fit in. This was not right. Something's wrong here. Uh, he allowed me to call my parents, but he would never let me be by myself um, to talk to them about our plan, how our plans had been destroyed and that none of that stuff that we talked about was the same anymore instead he wanted me to tell them that um i wanted to go and that i wanted to go because i needed a vacation it just it just did not add up in my mind it just did not add up everything that was happening it was so out of my character and it was it was just scary it was terrifying um by him doing that and having them believe that I wanted to go and I wanted to go on vacation, he felt like that he was safe and that my parents wouldn't call the local police to be looking for him. Um, so he had me go uh, to a gay men, man's bar. That was the craziest experience. Um, when I went in, I was looking pretty rough, so I wasn't really a threat to anybody because these people were dressed in drag. The men that were in there were dressed in drag. Um, and I remember as soon as we went in, he was like, go into the restroom and I'll meet you back out here in a minute. And so I went to the restroom and of course he disappeared. I remember going into the restroom and looking on the door and the women's sign had a huge X marked out on it. And I don't remember exactly the word that was written to replace women, but I know it was not good. <clears throat> I felt disgusting after I read it. I remember that. Um, when I came out, he found me and took me back to the car. We ate peanut butter and, um, and or bologna sandwiches that we had quickly packed up for our quick escape from <clears throat> my destroyed apartment and from all my hopes and dreams that I was familiar with. Food was running out quickly while we were there. So when we took the so when we took the day and went to the beach, showered on the beach, he told me, uh, don't go to the beach restrooms. They're awful. There's awful things that happen in there. Like he was trying to scare me into not going there. <clears throat> now that I look back on it, the only thing I could think of that would prevent that he would want to prevent me from going in there is that I might have seen an lifeguard and could have told them to contact the authorities and I would have been able to escape quicker. I remember swimming in the ocean um, during this day and I had never heard of a riptide, never, never experienced one and never seen one. And so me being from Kentucky, those things aren't something that you hear of every day. Um, but luckily there was a rope that was attached to the lifeguards building. And I didn't know, uh, what all the yellow flags on the beach meant either because I wasn't, I didn't grow up on the beach. 
It meant swim at your own risk. No lifeguards on duty. It was like middle of October, November <clears throat> at this point. I ended up being swept back. And what I mean by swept back is I was swimming towards the left side of the, <coughs> of the beach. But when I looked up while swimming, I was being pulled to the right side of the beach. So I was being pulled back even though I was swimming forward. Um, and then as I got closer to that rope, I got my feet caught, got swept underneath, being pulled towards, you know, out from under me. And the rope was holding me underneath of my arm. And so when the waves would come in, my head would go under the water and this rope would pin me down under the water. And then the waves would go down and then I could breathe. And it happened like that for several seconds. And eventually the captor was the one or the, um, the perpetrator was the one who actually rescued me. Uh, when I finally crawled up on the dry beach, I was exhausted from all that had happened. And I sat there on the beach thanking God that he spared my life. It wasn't long after that, that the boyfriend told me he was going to go find someone to take care of us. That didn't sound good to me because this far into this escapade, he had not taken care of me at all. Uh, so that night he left me in the car and locked the doors. And I remember covering up in the back seat floorboard with newspaper because next to the car was drug deals happening outside of the, out of a, an apartment window. That's at least what he told me. And there was people handing things out, out the window. So I don't know what they were doing, but that's what he told me. And so I was terrified. Um, so while I was down there in the floorboard, terrorized and scared to death for my life from this drug deal gone bad that could have happened, um, I finally laid there and, and started thinking and I was like, oh wait, I realized that the car keys was in the ignition. And I threw the newspaper off of me and set up in the back seat and realized they were there. And I jumped over the back of the seat and got in the car. The doors were locked. And I, honestly, I can say that even if he was right next to the door, I probably would have started the car and took off because that was the way that I was going to get out and get away from him. Now, if you are familiar with South Miami Beach at all, it is actually an island off of Florida. It isn't on the mainland of the United States. There is a huge I would say bridge. It's kind of a highway, I-95, that goes across from the mainland over to this island. I've never been there before. Never been there before. So on this island are many roads. They didn't have GPS. I didn't have a map. Oh my goodness. I was praying the whole time. I was terrified he was going to find me and catch me. And <clears throat> I remember finally getting away. And I just felt so much hope at that point because up until that time, I thought, I remember the drive down there, I thought, I will never see my nephews grow up. I will never see them have kids. I will never see them enjoy their life. 
<clears throat> they were just babies back then. They were young. I don't know how old. Um, one was born in 88, 89, and 90. So they were, you know, between six and seven years old. So, But I thought for sure I'll never see them again. I'll never see my family again. And I did get all the way to Boynton Beach, Florida. And that's as far as I want to go right now because I'll tell you the rest of the story on another episode because I just know you guys are going to come back and listen to this story. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'm hoping that I'll be proud of this testimony. That's how I look at it now. It is a very painful experience that I went through. And it's hard not to blame myself um, because of everything that happened. But now that I'm older and now that I look back on it, I could have been a statistic. People had this happen to them every day and they never come back from it. So I do truly thank God for what he's done. And I will not, I would refuse not to tell my story. Micah Tyler tells about all these different things on on the song that says um, the story I tell and I feel like one of those people in the Bible so I hope you um, will continue to listen to the rest of the story I appreciate your attentiveness and I appreciate your support thanks you guys love you see you around the merry-go-round